0: What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 29, aka Nathan McKinnon, of Keeping Up With the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and once again, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, brother?
1: Not too bad, dude. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing not, not too, too bad today. I mean, it's a good, it's a lovely weekend. Lovely Sunday afternoon right now. Tons of sports on this weekend. So it's pretty exciting. You got the, the kind of the opening weekend of baseball, which, you know, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but it is kind of exciting, especially with the blue Jays and, uh, you know, being ranked like the second best team this year. So that's cool. And, uh, of course there's other sports. We got the masters on big golf guy. So Tiger Woods, you know, getting to see him in action again was pretty exciting, tons of hockey as well and everything so and even UFC last night so man it's just been a fun weekend how has your weekend been going
1: uh not too bad I actually had nothing to do with any of those I gotta be one of the like few golf guys around here I don't know if I can say a golf guy with what I'm about to say who just does not give a shit about it when it's on tv I don't want to watch it I can't I'll go out and play it love playing it but I cannot
0: watch it on tv Dude, it's, it's tough to watch. It really is. I mean, the only reason why I was tuning in was because, you know, Tiger Woods was back in the masters and, you know, he got into that horrific car accident, almost lost his leg, almost lost his life really. Like uh, how long ago, 13 months or something, just over a year. So I was just pretty amped to see his return. And, uh, so, so that's why I was keeping an eye on it, but you're right, man. It's not the funnest sport to watch. It's, it's right there with baseball for me, um, <laughs> where it's hard to get through a whole game of baseball unless it's playoffs you're talking about, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there, but man, you guys are getting some nice weather. You're going to be on the field soon. And, uh, you know, on the fairways actually hitting some balls soon, aren't you?
1: If I hit a fucking fairway, that'll be the time of my life on Tuesday.
0: (laughs) Oh, just chirping yourself, dude. I'm amped up to get out there and play some golf this year. But uh, yeah, out West here, we're a little bit further away from doing that than you guys are. This week, we're back in the negatives and I'm, I'm, man, I'm just sick of winter at this point. Uh, It snows here and there. And then, you know, all this negative temperature and Celsius too. I mean, it's it sucks big time. I'm I'm over it. I'm done with winter. There's no more ice skating, there's no more snowboarding, any of that. Yeah, we're kind of in bet- in that in-between level where you know, it's not nice enough to do stuff, but it's not cold enough to go and do winter activities either. So, stuck in that in-between and this is the worst part of it. You're in slush season. Yeah, slush and then back to cold. It's gonna be like a high of minus four and five the next days. A high of minus five. Like, come on. We definitely we were through all that. Out there. Oh yeah. We got oh man, it was beautiful when you came. But it
1: was like plus eight a couple of days in a row.
0: It was, yeah. It was nice. I mean, even recently we had 12, 13 degrees. I was getting pretty excited, you know, getting out for some hikes and stuff. So um still going to have to keep on waiting until we kind of get into the plus 16 plus 17 or you know the t-shirt weather nice beer drinking weather I'll add there too as well so uh yeah just looking forward to better weather and being able to go golfing but Durham we have some breaking news to go over right now just happened 1 hour ago right before we started uh recording this podcast and uh Matty Beneers officially signs his entry-level deal with the Seattle Kraken. And, man, I am absolutely pumped about this. I am so excited to see Matty Beneers finally get a chance to play in the Kraken lineup. What does this mean for the organization and for the fans of the Seattle Kraken?
1: Well, it means they're going to have the best player on their lineup in the next couple of years, and we're going to get, get to watch that develop in the last 10 games here in the start of that. And it's going to be wonderful as Kraken fans. We're looking at our prize possession, our number one prospect, finally getting into the NHL.
0: I know. And it's super exciting. And uh, kind of tell the fans and the listeners what to expect out of Matty Benares, who aren't too, too familiar with this player. What can you expect to see out of this guy? What is he going to bring to this Kraken lineup?
1: He's going to bring everything you'd expect like a prototypical two-way centerman to bring. He's adept at goal scoring and setting up his line mates as well. He can play the wall and the middle of the ice, play strong defense. He was penalty killing, I believe, for the U.S. men's Olympic team this year, which shows you just how much they trust him. In a tournament full of men, they send this 19-year-old and they're like, hey, you're going to play most of the time on ice and PK for us. He's like, yeah, no problem. I got this.
0: Yeah, I know. He he's an absolute stud uh and you know all three all three zones on the ice really. Uh this guy's a complete player. Uh he's he's just super dynamic in that sense. Really good on faceoffs as well. Uh he's going to be such a key part of this organization for years to come. And it it's just so exciting finally getting to see him hit the ice in a Kraken jersey because there's so much anticipation behind this guy and you know, we don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but uh, there's a reason to be excited about him because uh, he's going to be just a blast to watch. And, you know, he was just named to the first uh, he was named to the first team All-American uh, after finishing off with uh, with Mich- Michigan this year in the NCAA and you know he ended up finishing with 20 goals which was second best on that team 43 points which was best on that team and he did it in 37 games played with michigan and uh you know they ended up losing what was it in overtime in the semi-final of the frozen four tournament there uh against denver they went on to win it uh but a fantastic run by that stacked michigan team but you know Bittersweet, but we are glad that it is over because he's expected to be practicing with the team tomorrow, which is Monday. And the Kraken, of course, play a couple games Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday being against Calgary and Wednesday being on Winnipeg. And Durham, can we expect to see him in one of those games? You think one of
1: them for sure? I don't know if he'd get both games, I don't think it'd be really a good idea throwing a kid just coming into the NHL when you're on a road trip with a back-to-back against one of the teams being Calgary, one of the best teams in the league. So I don't know if we'll see him in both. But uh, if you're a Seattle fan in Seattle, you should absolutely be getting tickets for Saturday's game.
0: 100%. And I was just thinking I'd put it at like a 20% chance he plays the Calgary game. And then about a 50% chance, maybe pushing 60% chance. He, uh, he plays in that Wednesday night game against Winnipeg in Winnipeg. And you got to think it's basically a hundred percent chance he's playing against New Jersey uh, in Seattle, which is going to be exciting again, you know, with the home fans there uh, there's going to be so much hype for that game and at least you're throwing him into a team that, <clears throat> you know, no offense to New Jersey right now, but they are not uh, playing the greatest of hockey right now. And, you know, they're only four points ahead of Seattle in the standing. So that should tell you just as much as you need to know about uh, the New Jersey Devils right now and the type of season they're having. But uh, Durham, back to the Maddie Beneers talk quickly. Where do you see him playing in the lineup? Who's going to be his line mates? That's the next question, what we're going to figure out right now.
1: I'd love to see him play with Jared McCann. I'm not sure who on the right wing, maybe uh, Don Skoy or Coolman, but I'd love to see him play with McCann. I think those two could have something going moving forward. Having a little test run down the stretch here and do it again in camp.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, throw him in the middle. I'd say, you know, leave McCann right now. McCann's playing on uh, the left wing. So throw Baneers, he's a natural centerman. So I don't have a problem with throwing him into the middle right away. Uh, so throw him in the middle with McCann on the left wing. And then I think you're right. Yeah, a guy like Don Skoy, a guy like Eberle or Coolman, somebody who's a good veteran for that line. I think that could uh, that could really help, you know, just take a little bit of the pressure off and help him uh, just adjust to the NHL game as quickly as possible, having a veteran on that right wing side and then having, you know, a a natural goal scorer, our best goal scorer, like McCann on that left wing and give him some, you know, some offense to play with right away and be able to, you know, showcase his offensive skills right away and get his confidence right back up there, you know, right up there at the start of it. So I think that's what we should be seeing. That's what I'm, what I'm expecting to see happen uh, with Bennear's. But you never know with Coach Haxtell, do you?
1: No, it could be anything in the Line Blender 3000.
0: It it very well could be anything in the Line Blender 3000. You're right by that. But man, oh man, I am excited to see Matty Beneers finally in a Kraken jersey. And it was just confirmed as well that uh, he will be wearing number 10, which is the number he wore for Michigan. So if you're looking at ordering that Kraken jersey right away, uh, pretty safe bet to go with a number 10, Maddie Baneers Jersey. I know I'm going to be looking at purchasing one right away here. So, uh, pretty amp for that. Uh, what do you think I should go with the home or the away for a Maddie Baneers? It
1: might be one of the few jerseys in the NHL where the white one actually looks good. So that's tempting, but still it's a home Jersey. How do you not get your first one as their nicest Jersey?
0: I know. It's so tough to decide. I guess you can't go wrong, really. I mean, they're both fantastic jerseys. What I was picturing in my head was um, when I wear this jersey snowboarding, what's going to look better (laughs) next season? Snowboarding in the away or the dark, right? I'm thinking the dark would look better snowboarding. And, you know, why not? I'm going to get an away jersey at some point anyway. So I think with this Matty Buneers one, I'm going to go with the home jersey. How about you? Are you... uh? thinking about any purchases yourself
1: i'm gonna wait one more season and see if we get lucky enough and strike gold jerry with bedard
0: oh well you'll have to wait yeah i guess just over uh, over another full year for that one but uh that would be an Absolute hit if this team can draft Bedard uh, in the 2023 draft. Of course, that's his draft class. Kids, a stud. If you don't know him, look him up, playing in the WHL right now. And he's playing for uh, who's he playing for again, Durham? Regina. Regina. Yeah. I always want to say Kelowna, but I know that's not. He's there with the Riker Pat. Evans. He's there with Riker Evans with the Regina Pats which is pretty awesome to see. So, you know, a couple future teammates playing with each other already right there. So, you know, pretty excited about Matty Beneers, but uh, the Kraken did play some hockey games this week, Durham, and they started things off against uh, the St. Louis blues who are no joke of a hockey team right now. Are they?
1: no, they definitely aren't. You know, they're a pretty good team. They're barely showing why they were able to win the championship back in 2019. And they're kind of showing shades of that, you know, who's so coming in and just taking the reins away from Bennington and everyone kind of hunkering down for the second half of the year. And we definitely saw that the other night.
0: Yeah. And I think they're currently on a four or five game winning streak too. Right now they're getting hot at the right time and uh, yeah, they showed it against uh, the Kraken, uh, you know, last week there in the Kraken 70th game of the season. Uh, They were coming off a big win against Dallas last week. So, you know, you kind of expected a really good performance, you know, any, anytime you're beating a good team like Dallas, like that, uh, you kind of expect, you know, to get off to a good start, but uh, the Kraken, They've had it tough against St. Louis this year, haven't they?
1: No, they haven't had exactly had great outings against them. Dropping the first matchup 2-1, but at least that's a close game, right? Yeah, the next one after that was not. It was a 5 nothing spanking.
0: Yeah, the St. Louis is a, they're an offensive dynamic team, man. They, they can turn it up uh, at any point. They just have so much depth in their lineup. And, uh, you know, the Kraken did go with the same lines as last game against Dallas. So that meant Driggs was between the pipes for this one. But it was all St. Louis early on in this hockey game. They were just pouring it on with the scoring chances. And it certainly didn't help that Don uh, Donskoy had a penalty early. And then Jared McCann takes a double minor. Uh, for cutting Pareko on a high-sticking play. So that that really hurt their chances early on.
1: Yeah, but then the Kraken actually had a couple real good shorthanded chances there, too. Susie with their best one after he rings one off the outside of the post. But, of course, St. Louis would get an odd man rush the other way with numbers and then execute on their three-on-one. Robert Thomas, one nothing St. Louis.
0: Yeah, uh, they did a fantastic job. They killed off... Uh... You know, that first penalty and then basically that whole double minor without giving up any real good chances. And then just right at the end, after they pushed for a couple shorthanded chances with that Susie one, and then uh, they had a couple other ones even following Susie's chance. Um, you know, they get caught with too many guys down deep into the uh, the offensive zone there. St. Louis gets that three on one. And they execute on it. So, you know, just like that, it it was just a tough one to start off. But they did do a good job killing that off, uh, you know, for the most part.
1: Yeah, and then once again, the post would come to save St. Louis after Cole Lynn would wire one off the pipe. That's a couple of posts for Cole Lynn's in his last couple of games, too. That kid can't buy one right
0: now. No, he's been shooting. And it's good to see him shooting because, uh, you know, he had some really good numbers in the AHL. And he obviously has a, a pro release. We've seen that and yeah, he's just been unlucky eh? hitting the post a couple times in the last games, but uh, that would pretty much wrap up that first period shots favoring the blues 11, nine after 20, which uh, isn't that bad considering, you know, there's six minutes on the power play to the Krakens none. So, so it was a pretty decent first period for the Kraken. Yeah. You'll take that anytime you can. Mm-hmm. And then what St. Louis would uh, continue putting the pressure on too in that second period. They get another goal past Rieger. This time it was basically a perfectly placed pass across the offensive zone, kind of through the slot there from uh, Braden Shen. He finds Justin Falk pinching down and uh, he's able to get one past Rieger there. Another tough one for Rieger to stop too. He was just not getting the support down low that he needed from the boys.
1: No, that was a hell of a play too. The pass over and then Falk places it just in the right spot under the under the uh, glove, over the pad there. So, you know, perfect placement. But, yes, Gr- Drieger needs a little more help in front of him there.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know what? One player who I thought just had a lot of jump to his game in this one was Carson Kuhlman. Uh, you know, he, he was just uh, just out there, just, just giving her. And I really en- enjoyed his work ethic, his forecheck. Uh, he was just displaying that on each of his shifts in this game. So shout out to Carson Kuhlman continues to impress me each game. I see him in a Kraken Jersey.
1: Yeah. The longer the year goes here, especially with 10 games left, he's showing more and more why he should be one of the guys we keep next year.
0: I agree. And, uh, yeah, halfway through the game, the Kraken finally get themselves on the board with a goal from Jordan Eberle after a point shot kind of hits a stick and slows down enough, finds its way to Eberle, who's just sitting in front of the net, and uh, he's just in perfect position to tap that one home and get the Kraken on the board and cut St. Louis' lead down to one.
1: Yeah, well, you know what they say, Ty, go to the net and good things will happen.
0: Oh, yeah, go to the net, good things will happen. We've been hearing it from our coaches all the way back in uh, the minor leaguer times, So, uh, or the minor hockey times, I should say. But yeah, go to the net. Good things happen. We learn that early when uh, when you're playing hockey as kids, right? Exactly. Drive the middle of the ice
1: and stop at the crease.
0: Mm-hmm. And the crack can come close to tying this one, too. Morgan Geeky had an absolute howitzer from the slot. Uh, he gets denied from Huso, who just really had a solid outing in this game. Uh, yeah, Villa Huso just stepped into that role for St. Louis and took over that uh, that starting position in net for them.
1: Yeah, and just as the Kraken start to get some momentum, they go back to the box. And they do end up killing the penalty. But they're not doing any favors for themselves by taking all these damn penalties.
0: No, it's been uh, one of the things they've struggled with as of recently is uh, taking a lot of penalties in hockey games. And and it's, it's starting to hurt them. Even though their penalty kill uh, had a really good stretch and then it fell apart for a couple games. And now it's kind of back on this really good stretch again. But... Uh, You can't rely on your PK every game to bail you out. It's a tough one. Um, In the third, though, uh, Seattle would give up an early goal to Jordan Cairo after he scores on a bit of a fumbling puck there in front of Drieger. Kind of whack that one out of midair to make it 3-1, eh?
1: Yeah, a bit of a broken, uh, broken play there. McCann's coming back to support the D, but the puck kind of ends up fumbling off his skates and finds an open Kairo. Kale Fleury tries to take a swing at it, but it ends up just chipping it up, and Kairou knocks it home out of midair. Goal for St. Louis.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, they took that 3-1 lead up until the final minutes, and Ryan O'Reilly would put the game away with an empty netter. The Blues would take this 4-1 and go undefeated against the Kraken this season, winning all three matchups.
1: Yeah, St. Louis just had, you know, more jump and more play for in this game, more to play for in this game. Penalty troubles early really cost the Kraken. They took six in the game, and they only surrendered the one power play goal, but it allowed St. Louis to find their groove.
0: I agree, you know, St. Louis was able to get into the game a bit earlier, uh, you know, when you're not having McCann play the minutes, he should be, because you're taking all these penalties, you're just, you know, you're taking your best player off the ice too much, uh, and the Kraken can't let that happen, plus, they only had one chance on the power play in this game, so, you know, you could argue St. Louis did a pretty good job of playing a discipline-style game. And they just seemed like they wanted it a bit more. And they had some pretty good support from their players and from their goalie and Billy Huso in this hockey game.
1: Yeah, at the end of the night,
0: I mean, St. Louis just wanted it more. Yeah. And if we go back to last week, just going to pump my tires there. You know, I did predict a 4 1 win for St. Louis. So I'll take the blame for this one. But at the same time, Kind of seen something like that coming. I, the St. Louis team has been playing really good as of late. They're getting uh, awesome goaltending from Billy Huso. But the Kraken did play the following night, Durham. They took on the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, another team in that central division that they've been playing this year. They played them a couple times. They're actually one-and-one one going into the, into the game against them. They dropped the very first matchup. That was early in the year back in November, a 4-2 game they dropped. Then they ended up beating them the next time around. Uh, three to two in January. So, uh, so this was basically the winner takes all for uh for their mini season series against the Chicago Blackhawks in this one.
1: Yeah, and other than we got hour in net tonight because it's the back to back. There, we got the exact same lineup, which is uh the one time you kind of expect some changes and they didn't happen there. Hey, classic stall with no line blender three thousand this time.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, after a four one win, and you're playing on the back to back. Usually you shuffle things up in the line, maybe a little bit, you know, considering how much he has, I'd expect, I expected to see something, but you're right. The only switch he made was Grubauer net, the German gentleman getting uh, that opportunity between the pipes again and into the first period, other than that first shift in the game where all the Kraken players were like caught standing still in their own zone for like a good solid minute. uh, Chicago was just jumping all over them that very first shift. Other than that one, they had a lot of jump to their game in the first period. I I thought the Kraken played awesome in that first.
1: Which is great to see, especially after the night before, when you're on the back-to-back there. That's fantastic to see you come out fire and ready to go. You know your team's ready for this one. And they even had an early shot advantage, 8-1. to one.
0: Yeah, yeah, they looked... You're totally right there. They looked incredible coming out, and it's tough to do on the back-to-back, right? Um, so credit to them. The one player... The one player like, I'm not here to shit on guys, but the one player who I like after his first and second game who's faded right off for me is kind of Victor Rask. Just the the more I see this guy play, the more I'm not impressed with his play. Like, uh, I don't know what it is, man. I just doesn't, it just feels like he doesn't fit this team that much. And yeah, I don't know. I think his best days of playing in the NHL are definitely behind him, man.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to say the last time when you asked if he was coming back next year, but I was just too nice to say it. So I said, no, he's a free agent.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, he's falling off the map a bit. But uh, yeah, the first period was anything but bad for the Kraken. I mean, one of their most dominant first periods of the season, as good as it gets, really, without you know having a lead in a hockey game. I mean, they ended up having a 17-3 to shot lead after the first 20 minutes. Pretty much just pure dominance from the Kraken, really.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of clear that the game plan was throw everything at the net, try and get on the scoreboard early, and then play with the lead.
0: Yeah, and they didn't get that uh, goal right away, uh, in the first 20, but they came out flying in the second period once again right off the bat too, and Alex Wenberg absolutely puts on a stick-handling clinic and walks through Jake McCabe like he's a certified pylon, and goes in on Lankinen all alone, Uh, you know, hits him with a little juke deke and puts away his 10th goal of the season, giving him double digits for goals on the year. How about that goal?
1: Yeah, I mean, they gave assists to Donato and Eberle, but <sighs> What an individual effort from Wenberg there, right?
0: Oh, unbelievable! That the uh, I'd put that in the top five prettiest goals from the Crack in this season, no doubt. And uh yeah, Wenberg has some hands. I'd like to see him kind of use those hands a bit more.
1: Yeah, he threw a little shake and bait coming down the middle there, and just forehand on him.
0: Yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. That gave the Crack uh, the and a one nothing lead in the second period. And then uh, we kind of seen Vince Dunn go awkwardly into the boards. He ended up leaving the game halfway through that period. Didn't look too great. Couldn't, couldn't put any weight on his right leg there. And then that's kind of when Chicago started to tilt momentum their way and start to put on the pressure themselves.
1: Yeah, Donato would end up getting an interference there. And then four seconds after the faceoff, Susie tries to stick lift the Blackhawks player beside him, hits him. Cuts them and ends up taking a double minor on it.
0: Yeah, that uh, that's not what you want, especially to start off uh, a penalty kill. The Kraken basically gets stuck killing off a full two-minute five-on-three. And uh, if you've been watching this team play, you'd know that their penalty kill has been a bright spot for this hockey team. So uh, it would just continue to be like that because the Kraken ended up killing off all of that five-on-three plus the extended five-on-four. And they made it look easy there. They they didn't give the Chicago Blackhawks any real good looks. Uh, pretty impressive uh, from this penalty kill, and a big part of that penalty kill, Yanni Gord, man, he just seems to be making all the right plays on the penalty kill.
1: I think he's a guy who's going to be a like the defensive mentor for Beneers next year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, he definitely Beneers definitely won't have the the nastiness, the tenacious to his game that. Uh, that Yanni Gore brings, but uh, I think you're, you're spot on what, what a better there. There's not a better guy to learn, learn that off of, especially that defensive side. And especially if he's going to be tasked to, uh, to kill penalties as well. Right.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that would wrap up this, a solid period for the Kraken who would hold on to the one, nothing lead after 40 going into the third there too. And would you looky, looky Vince Dunn is back to start the third period. What a warrior, because that spill was brutal that he took earlier in the game. That looked like it hurt.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, I was shocked to see him come back out. He couldn't put any weight on that right leg. Like, it looked bad. So very fortunate that he didn't take a serious injury and could remain in the game. And, you know, he, he played the next game too. So obviously everything was fine with Vince down there.
1: Yeah, very fortunate he didn't have a serious injury and could remain in the game. Krakens also would get another power play look right away, but they weren't able to muster anything up on that chance.
0: No, so many chances for Seattle to double their lead there, but, uh, they weren't able to. And then Chicago, they would get a late power play off, uh, you know, another, another penalty from Carson Susie. He would go off and, uh, man, oh man, the Kraken got pretty lucky on those opportunities because, uh, Chicago ended up hitting the post back-to-back times and uh, that would help keep the Kraken up by a goal. That was a that was a, a few nerve-wracking uh, couple of minutes there for the Kraken.
1: Yeah, and then with a minute and a half left, Eberly would find himself in the slot with the puck on his stick and tons of time before he decides to put the game away with a vintage ebb snipe, just picking the top corner glove side there on Lankinen.
0: Yeah, that would make it for the Kraken, and yeah, with a minute and a half left, that gave Chicago no chance of getting back into the game unless uh, they had a miracle, which they did not. The Kraken would take this one 2-0, and that was a huge team win, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, Grubauer with a very solid outing had a very busy second half of the game, but he still ended up stopping all 29 shots for his second shutout of the season.
0: Yeah, huge night for him. And to get that second shutout of the season, that's huge for him. Eberly, he had a two-point night as well. Of course, assisted on that first goal for Wenberg there. And what a night for the PK. Going four for four in the game. Playing spectacular. Really liked how aggressive the PK has been. Just very impressive all around.
1: Yeah, and then what else is impressive is pulling off a shutout win on the second game of a back-to-back
0: yeah, that's impressive to say the least. I really liked uh just the full game from the Kraken. They really showed up on that second of a back-to-back. And uh, Grubauer just looked as good as ever, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he looked like the Grubauer we thought we were getting when we signed him. If we can continue that going down the stretch here for the last 10 games, oh, I like our goaltending going into next year.
0: Well, they're, they, they seem to be starting to get comfortable now, which is uh, great signs for the Kraken heading into next year because... You know, a lot of people, like we talked about, had that Kraken goaltending duo rated in the top 10 of any goaltending duo in the NHL. And as of recently, we are starting to see that. Trigger's been putting up fantastic numbers. Grubauer's been putting up fantastic numbers. If they can get that kind of steady production next season and the Kraken are able to find more offense in their game, you know, they still have a lot that they could do in the offseason, more bodies to add. Beneers is going to be in the lineup full time. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see what they can do offensively. I still like their defensive core. They could still add a piece to that right side, no doubt. But this is going to be a team that that's going to take a large step next season.
1: I think so, too, especially once, like you said, you get Beneers in there. I think he's going to be a big part of this team's offense going forward.
0: Oh, yeah, he he will be. And we'll be seeing that super soon in the upcoming days, hopefully, when he gets into the lineup. But the Kraken did play Calgary this uh, last night, actually, the Saturday night, uh, game number 72. I was at home, and it was the first of a back to back against the Calgary Flames. So, of course, they play them on Tuesday. And a red hot Calgary Flames team. I mean, uh, this team, like we said, no joke, first place in the Pacific, primed for a deep playoff run, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they definitely look like they're poised to go for it this year. Everyone's playing well from top to bottom of the lineup and at every position as well.
0: And the big story, or we what we thought was the big story, was the return of your boy-boy Cali Yarncrock to Seattle. You know, of course, he was moved to Calgary at the trade deadline for a deadly good package of a second, third, and seventh round pick. Um, but unfortunately, Durham, he was not in the lineup still recovering from a minor injury he suffered a week ago. So he's still listed as day to day. Just unfortunate, right? I thought we were going to be seeing a special tribute video for him. I'm glad we didn't. <laughs> you know what? I guess we'll have to wait till next season, right? Yeah. When we have Jir back. back. <laughs> Whoa. Imagine If that. he plays next year, could you imagine? Yeah, I, I couldn't actually, it would be, it would be kind of weird. I, Yeah, it would be kind of weird. I know they're going to go in a different direction with with their new No, no, no. no. I don't
1: mean like bringing him back. I mean like him playing somewhere and playing against Seattle. Oh, that
0: will happen. I think that happens for sure. I thought you meant bring him back to Seattle.
1: No, I don't think he would. I think he'd be like, hey, I'm like 40. I'm going to go sign with like Vegas for 750K and hope they just don't suck like they did this year.
0: Yeah, I think he takes another one one-year deal, something like that. But back into this game, uh, Grubauer, of course, back in the crease after his big shutty last game. No surprise there. Um, and then no other lineup changes again. So they're running with the same things. Uh, it is working, so why not do that? And in the first period, Calgary with an early lead in this one, just four minutes in. And Noah Hannafin blasts one from the point and a perfectly tipped shot from uh, Blake Coleman, who's just sitting in the slot there. And it goes top shelf. uh, Again, perfectly placed. And there's just no chance for Grubauer that he was going to stop that one, uh, especially with all the traffic he had in front of him. I don't even think he got to see that puck.
1: No, that was just well-executed play on offense from Calgary. I mean, nothing Grubauer was going to do with that one. But you know what? It's no worries. Why? Why? Because Carson Kuhlman's going to tie the game right back up a minute five later after a great effort from Jared McCann and Morgan Geeky to win a puck battle low and find Kuhlman wide open out front.
0: Yeah, that was a great response from the Kraken to tie the game right back up and show Calgary uh, that they showed up to play against them in this game. And not only that, but it showed a lot of jump for the remainder of the first period. Each forward line was getting a good look or two in the Calgary zone. They looked pretty competitive in that first period.
1: Yeah, then Calgary was lucky enough to score with just 23 seconds left in the period on a delayed call. Trevor Lewis left alone out front and is able to stuff one pass Grubauer.
0: Yeah, other than that one, I mean, you take that goal away, it's a pretty decent period for the Kraken. Um, but yeah, their first period's kind of in the last five games or so. They've really stood out. They've really improved from what we're used to seeing. But a bit of a heartbreaker there, 23 seconds left. And Trevor Lewis, of all guys, uh, you know, is able to score that one there at the end. So a bit of a tough one to give up. But, you know, this Calgary team is tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, this team has struggled hard at getting off to a good start in a hockey game. But lately, that has not been the case. And that is some positive habits this team's building for the start of next year. Sure shot slightly favored Calgary 10-8 through 20. But that was a hell of a period for Seattle.
0: It was. And I like the point you make there, like build on positive habits going into next season, right? You start to create those, uh, those positive habits habits right now before the end of this season and do whatever it takes to take those into the start of next season and build off that. So, um, if it's something as simple as just getting off to better starts in the game, uh, you know, that, that could really improve this hockey team. Another one could be, Learning how to defend a lead—if you—if you score a goal, don't give one up in the next two minutes. Like that's another thing. If they clean that up too, they're gonna have a lot more success down, uh, you know, down the stretch next season.
1: Yeah, and in the second here, the Kraken would find themselves in some penalty trouble after who else but Carson Susie would trip Coleman, and then he goes awkwardly into the boards. And damn, Susie,
0: you've been racking up the penalty minutes lately. I know, right? He's just taking so many trips to the sin bin. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's, it's unlike him. It's uncharacteristic of, of, of Carson He of Dr. Seuss, as we like to call him, right? Um, but, uh, you know, just as the penalty is about to expire, too, Michael Stone ends up ripping a one timer past the glove of Grubauer, making it 3 1 for the Calgary Flames.
1: One thing I really liked about this goal, and I can't leave him out to p- tire pump fucking Calgary Flames, let alone Michael Stone. But he gets the one-timer like five seconds before that shot that goes in. And he shoots blocker side and misses, right? And Grubauer's mm-hmm. a little late on the, re- on the replay. You see Grubauer's a little late sliding over and he misses the puck, but it went wide as well. But So it comes out and goes over to Stone again. And if you look at where Grubauer is, he's already cheated to his blocker a little bit. And I don't know whether Stone did this on purpose or it just came off of his stick and happened to go that way. But this time it goes glove
0: side and finds the net, so... The game within the game. The game within the game. A smart play by uh, Michael Stone, of course, uh, the older brother of uh, low Vegas player Mark Stone, uh, if that name is ringing a bell at all to anyone. But yeah, we we're about the halfway point of that hockey game. And the last thing you want to do is uh, let Calgary get another goal because if you go down 4-1 to this team, that that basically puts this game away, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, you're not going to get three straight goals on Jacob Markstrom too often, especially with the way he's playing this year. Last year, maybe.
0: This year, nah. This year, it's like, nope. Um, But yeah, Seattle, they'd end up getting another power play chance uh, of their own late in the second, and uh, Donato would get hauled down by Toffoli in that chance. That would give the Kraken a nice five-on-three look uh, for a full minute, but They end up playing pretty sloppy with their passing and then their inability to get set up in the offensive zone basically killed their chance of getting any real scoring chances. So uh, it just turned into a wasted opportunity there and they would get one more power play look too before the end of that period. But again, couldn't get set up. Uh, you know, it was another tough look. They had a couple decent shots just near the end. Nothing too, too serious. But um, yeah, Calgary just had more dangerous chances in the seconds and uh, that followed the power play. Then, you know, th- that Seattle could really muster up there. Yeah, now that we're off
1: to the third period here, did uh, did we mention something about Dr. Seuss taking a shit ton of penalties lately? I think we did. Because he's going to get another one. Just a couple minutes into the third period. Dude.
0: Facepalm. <laughs> Is that what you say? You Do you just say facepalm when you do it? When you're on a podcast? I don't know. Just, uh, I've never done it. Well, I'm just going to say facepalm because that's a facepalm moment. Um, no harm, no foul this time, though. So, you know, Dr. Seuss, he's back in our good books, at least for now, right? Uh, or Dr. Seuss, as we like to call him around here. Frustrations do start to boil over in this hockey game, though. Uh, Dunn hits Brett, Brett Ritchie there uh, with a bit of a late one and uh, didn't seem too happy about the call. He ends up getting a penalty for it, and uh, he had some probably not-so-nice things to say to a few of those Flames players on his way to the Sinbin. He looked pretty fired up, and if we know anything about Vince Dunn, it's one of the one of the guys on this team. He's not very big but he is a do not fuck with type of player
1: yeah he'll definitely get the stick in there when he's playing d out front of the net too that's kind of one of the things defense can get a benefit defensemen get that forwards don't really we just have to slash guys off a face-off defensemen are like i dare you to come to my house (laughs) yeah retribution uh, will be
0: paid yeah and and vince dunn he uh He's he likes to take some healthy hacks at some players, and uh, you know isn't afraid to punch a guy with a glove on either. He's he's got a nastiness to his game, which I do like because you got to have those guys in the lineup. You got to play tough. This is hockey we're talking about here. Um, but once again, uh, credit to the Kraken's PK strong again, thanks to Yanni Gord, Carson Kuhlman, teaming up and really helping kill that off. Grubauer, of course, was uh, a catalyst to killing that uh, that penalty off as well, and. You know what they say, man. Things come in threes, which means Seattle did in fact take another penalty, their third penalty in a row in the third period and killed all three of them. Threes, man. Threes everywhere.
1: Numerology, brother.
0: Yeah, certainly not doing themselves any favors again though, right? Like you're taking that many penalties. hard to come back in the game. You're down by two, but at the same time, You know, the Kraken's PK is kind of keeping them in the game. So it's one of those, uh, you know, funny seesaw battles kind of thing. But uh, it's hard to score when you're always down a guy.
1: Yeah. And then just as our penalties stop, Calgary's start. We're going to have a power play here because Calgary gets too many men call, giving us a prime chance to get within one with seven minutes left.
0: Yeah. But like we said, Markstrom was not letting Seattle get another goal. Uh, even though the Kraken absolutely peppered Markstrom, they had four shots on that that opportunity there on the power play, and actually a very nice tip shot by Rask ended up being Markstrom's, I think, his best save of the night. Really, he just looked dialed in, uh, and then he goes back and robs both Geeky and Alexiak back to back, and then those were his two best saves of the night. The guy was just on fire. He's like, does you don't he play for the that? Flames? Does he play oh, for the play? Oh, I shit. Don't know. Man's hot. I know. He was ridiculous, honestly. Uh, they had a bit of a last-ditch effort, though. 2.54 left. Johnny Hockey decides, hey, what the heck? I'll give him a chance. Flips the puck out of play. So Coach Hack is like, you know what? Let's call a timeout. Let's pull out all the moves. Let's pull the goalie. Let's get the six on four. And Tyler Foley scores an empty netter, shorthanded to officially put the game away. 4-1 for the red-hot Calgary Flames.
1: Yeah, Calgary's going to take it here. Kuhlman's our lone goal scorer in this game. Not a terrible effort by any means for Seattle. Just a few breakdowns here and there defensively that cost them. And if that ain't, name, ain't the name of the game, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, they ran into a hot goalie, Markstrom. And, uh, you know, it didn't didn't give our uh, guys any chance when the power play just didn't have their best outing either. 0 for 5 on the night. Uh, they really could have used a goal somewhere in there to give them a fighting chance. But uh, we'll see what Tuesday night brings, right? Because the, Sa- the Seattle Kraken will be in Calgary for that one. And uh, let's just jump right into the preview for that one. What do we expect uh, against the Calgary Flames in Calgary on Tuesday night?
1: Well, I always like the old adage of it's tough to beat the same team twice in a row. So I'm going for a Seattle win here just based on that logic and that logic alone.
0: I like it. I, yeah, I, I question uh, whether we see Markstrom or Dan Vladar in net for that one uh, against Calgary. I'd have to look at their schedule. Maybe if they're on some kind of back-to-back, maybe if they play Wednesday, we'll see that. I don't know, though I don't don't have that in front of me. Chances are they run with Markstrom, but... You know, we got to see more goals from the Kraken here. The last three games, you combine them, it's pretty easy. One plus two plus one, that's four. Four games in three games, not good enough, Durham. We got to get some more goals. We got to start connecting on our power play again. Jared McCann's been uh, kind of quiet on the power play.
1: Yeah, we got to find someone that gets him going. Like I think what this team really needs is a guy who's an excellent
0: passer, but is still a threat as a shooter as well. Holy shit. That sounds like Matthew Beneers. (laughs) Really? Well, good thing we just signed him. I know, right? And I'm just pumped because I think one of the most underrated things that coming in is how much he's going to help improve uh, this power play. Because there really isn't a guy on this team that has the same type of offensive instincts that Matty Beniers has, and his hockey IQ is so high, he's going to help this power play out uh, by a shit ton. And I think you're perfectly right. We need a guy who, uh, you know, can help set up more, but isn't afraid to, you know, throw those pucks on net too, because Matty Beniers has a lethal shot, just like McCann, uh, and we'll be seeing that very soon, but he's going to help this power play out a shit ton. Maybe not right away, um, but, for next season, I would expect a much higher percentage for this team.
1: Seeing and Baneers in and the power play is an interesting one for me because where is he going to play for Seattle? Because I'm pretty sure for Michigan this year on their first power play unit, he played the bumper all year.
0: Yeah, and uh, wh- and what's the bumper?
1: In the middle of the one three one, there. You're the guy in the middle of the ice, and generally you're a puck support position, and then when it goes up high to your D, you're the high tip.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting because Benier is a left-handed guy um, to, you know, maybe he'll play that bumper and be able to do, you know, maybe some give and goes with, with Jared McCann, because, you know, McCann does kind of play that uh, sometimes he plays kind of on that point, but sneaks down on the left side of that bumper, uh, you know, in order to get some shots off. So it'll be interesting to see, where he's placed exactly because i think whatever kind of works with him setting up mccann is going to be the best option
1: i agree i could see something if he does stay in the bumper where it kind of works with mccann running because he does that high swing right where he comes up high the blue line then charges down to give himself that extra second to receive a pass and get up set up for a shot so i can see them running something where they kind of go down low over to the far flank hit veneers in the middle and he just kicks it out up. And then that buys that extra second or two for McCann.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I know we're talking about the matchup versus Calgary. Like we said earlier in this podcast, I don't see him playing in this game. Uh, You know, I think he'll take the morning skate. Uh, You know, he'll practice Monday, but you know, he just needs a few more reps in practice before, before throwing him in. And I think that's the smart way to go about it.
1: I think he'll definitely watch the first game kind of as a, cause as a college guy, like you can't go to camps or anything. Right. So mm-hmm. this is his first NHL experience.
0: Yeah. So I, I do believe he was at a game. He was at a game earlier this year in Seattle. Um, and he, he, you know, obviously he must've watched the game too, Yeah, but he was at like one game, but so he'll be able to, you know, sit with the rest of the uh, the scratched guys, uh, you know, maybe, you know who? Who knows who that's going to be? Hayden Flurry, unfortunately, and, and just be able to watch it from uh, that perspective because it does make quite a difference. We both been to NHL games, and it's two different, two different monsters watching in person on or into on TV and then in person, right?
1: It's never the same once you've been to a game live.
0: It's never, never the same, um, but. Yeah, what else can we expect from this matchup uh, against Calgary? What what do we got to do in order to get some goals against this team?
1: Get a little more traffic to the net when we get pucks to the net. Because obviously Markstrom's seeing too much, whether it's going to be Markstrom or Vladar. like They both got good save percentages. Vladar's playing well this season also, which just means we're going to have to outman and outmuscle Calgary in front of their own net and create good traffic and screens there and try and squeak a couple by them.
0: I agree. You look at the way Calgary was able to score goals against us. They were just keeping it simple, simple plays, you know, lots of shots from the point created chances and they had a lot of traffic towards the net. So I think you're spot on there. We just need to keep it simple Get a lot of traffic to the net and kind of hope for those tip plays, those screen plays. Uh, maybe you get lucky on a rebound in front, and uh, you know, just go out there and you, you, they're going to have to be nitty gritty with this one if they're want they're wanting to pull out a win against Calgary uh, instead of playing a flashy game and, and looking for the perfect setup or the perfect goal, right? Um, and you know, it probably wouldn't hurt to see Jordan Everly score either. You know, I think he's got his second most career points against the Flames uh, in his career. Of course, he played a lot of years in Edmonton, so that makes sense. Uh, so maybe he can get, find some of that old success, maybe get a nice lucky snipe. And then, of course, if we can get some gritty goals in there, uh, we could pull off a big win in Calgary, which, uh, again, uh, you know, you, you want to impress Matty Beneers right off the bat. That's how you're going to do it.
1: I'm pretty sure Eberle's first NHL goal was in calgary as well so might as well do it another one
0: dude i i know it was against calgary but i think I it know was it was against
1: NBA. i don't know where it was but yeah i f- it was 50 50 shot it was
0: i think it was in yeah Oh, uh, and i i mean i don't know is there a nicer first goal in the nhl
1: probably let's be real <laughs> it was a pretty nice but
0: like that was nasty. I know it was sick, but I'm pretty sure it was shorthanded, which is crazy.
1: I don't remember it being shorthanded. That makes it nicer.
0: Damn. Yeah, it was some crazy play, but yeah, he 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 just ends up absolutely toe-dragging a defender scoring a goal. So, maybe we'll see another one like that the very next night though. They, you know, they fly out out of Calgary, uh they play Winnipeg and man, this Winnipeg team, what's going on?
1: Well, their goaltending's struggling. It's not yeah, very good. Not. And I love Hellebuck. I think he's fantastic. But even just from March on, the dude's only got a 909C percentage, 311 goals against average, and he's 8-6-2. Like, holy shit.
0: Yeah. Yikes. That goals against averages looking pretty bad. They, uh, and it's funny. We thought all that was going to, his numbers would improve from last season. Of course that, uh, that Canadian division was crazy for the amount of goals that were, uh, you know, being scored game by game. I think they were the highest scoring division last year, uh, by a bit of a long shot too. So, uh, yeah, after they added to their defense we definitely thought that that would improve it hasn't been the case of course they've been battling a lot of injuries right now i mean if you take a look at their right wing depth uh it's not the greatest
1: yeah talk about us thinking how good they were gonna be i want the people to know i put money on them to win the cup and and their coach to win the fucking jack adams one's not in the playoffs and the other doesn't even have a job anymore (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, Hawks sorry, Winnipeg. sick, My sick bad. bets, Durham, sick bets, dog. No, honestly, I was trying to draft Mark Shifley in fantasy hockey, you know, kind of glad I didn't in a sense because of where he would have been picked. Uh, and I think I ended up going with Roman Yossi with that pick, so
1: that worked out. I think
0: I, I, think I did all right for that one. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of have things a little weird right now, they got. Paul Stastny up on the top line with Nikolai Ehlers and Shifley down the middle. I don't like, you know, I don't know. Paul Stastny right there doesn't make sense to me. I get it. They're trying to add some more scoring depth, but uh, this team basically with where they are in the standings, uh, if I go check right now, I know I had it pulled up. 77 points in 72 games. They basically have to win all 10 games to hit 97 points and hope that's enough to sneak in so it's an absolute long shot and i just don't see this team pulling it off like you said their goaltending has been awful they're dealing with some injuries up front uh this is a beatable team right now
1: yeah absolutely this is a team we should trounce on bringing up mark shifley though he's a guy you absolutely got to be watching for him and kyle connor just since march alone Shifley's got 27 points in 19 games and Connor's got yeah, 24 and 16. Like, yeah, they're going.
0: Yeah. You take away you call, call Connor's last couple of games too, where he, he didn't get a single point in those last two games either. Uh, you know, he was coming off the COVID protocol list and hasn't done much. So uh, I know that because he's on my fantasy team and uh, this is a big week. You know, we're in playoffs now and I need that. Need that output output from him, but uh, maybe not Wednesday night. Maybe he could take another night off and, uh, you know, I could risk it there. But uh, any score predictions against this this team here? It's going to be another, you know, second night back-to-back. We'll see who's in net. But the last time we did it against Chicago there, we had the big 2 nothing win. So uh, we'll, we'll see what this back-to-back brings. Any, any predictions, Durham?
1: For the Winnipeg game, I'll go 4-2 win
0: four to win I like it I'll go five to win and for the Calgary game because we didn't pick uh what's your prediction because you said that was a win I did didn't I you did
1: (laughs) three one with an empty netter
0: nice so very tough defensive game I'm gonna go I'm gonna go four one um once again, I'm gonna go four one for Calgary. I think they back to back
1: scores the same, eh?
0: Yeah, I think they're just they're just on another level right now. And uh I don't believe Maddie Beneers is gonna be in that, but I like the win on uh in against Winnipeg there, especially if Beneers is in the lineup. I think he scores a goal in his first game. That's my prediction.
1: I was gonna predict that too, but I'm like, shit, I don't know if hundred percent sure he's in for Winnipeg, so I don't want to be the idiot that says he's gonna score against Winnipeg, then he doesn't even play.
0: Yeah, very true. Um, But moving on from that, we have uh, just the one home game next week. That's a big Saturday night matchup against the New Jersey Devils. Of course, we said, you know, they're just four points ahead of us in the standings. Really struggling as of late. Um, Yeah, what can we expect from this game, man? I'm excited for it because Matty Benares for sure should be in the lineup for this one. Uh, So, yeah, give me your thoughts on it.
1: I was just going to say we should expect one of the loudest crowds Seattle has had all season for our first ever draft pick to play for the team. So yeah. the barn had better be bumping people.
0: Oh yeah, if if I lived anywhere close to Seattle, uh, I would be doing anything I can to get my hands on those tickets because that place should be absolutely banana lands. Um, I mean, we're going to be up against a New Jersey team who is very beatable right now. They got tons of injuries, man. Their main goalie, Mackenzie Blackwood, is out. Uh, even their backup is out right now, so they're down to Nico Dawes in net. Jack Hughes is day-to-day again. More you know, troubles for him. Nathan Bastian, a former Kraken, day-to-day as well not in the lineup uh miles wood a guy who just got back uh, playing this year for them uh a very scrappy type of guy guy you don't enjoy playing against he's out of the lineup like this team is hurting and not only that dude but like you go look at dougie hamilton's numbers for this team he has been absolutely trashed since he came back from his injury. Uh, he, he broke his jaw, but since he's returned from that injury, I think he's played like, I don't know how many games, but if you look back to his like his last 12 games, he's probably only had two assists and only averages about two, two and a half shots a game, which is not even close to uh, to what this guy usually does and what he was doing earlier in the season. So, um, you know, very beatable game. It's one of those games where, yeah, you want to, obviously pull out the W but you all obviously don't really want to be passing them in the standings right now too
1: yeah that's funny you bring up Dougie Hamilton because my dad uncle and I were just talking about him and how terrible he's been this year and I said yeah but like I think he was hurt for a long time and my uncle goes yeah I think he's only played like 30 games and could you imagine the shock on our faces when I pulled up my phone and he's at like 58 games and only 27 points or some shit like that like, what the fuck, Dougie?
0: Yeah, like you pull it, a- it up
1: right now, and since March 1st, three other defensemen on the New Jersey Devils have more points than him. They all yeah. have the same number of games played. Actually, Ty yeah. Smith has four less.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, um, probably going to be Severson and Ryan Graves ahead of him right now with, with what I've been seeing just through my fantasy numbers and stuff like that. But a big disappointment. Um, this first season with New Jersey. But, you know, I, I I still think he's a heck of a player. I think he'll bounce back once New Jersey finally gets going. I, it just feels like this team, uh, you know, it, it looks promising at the start of each year, and then they just never seem to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, they do look like they kind of took a step forward this year, but they're big guys like Heischer and Hughes. They've got to find a way to stay healthy. Because consistently those to. guys are getting hurt, and it's hurting mm-hmm. their team.
0: Yeah, consistently they they haven't had anyone really stay healthy on this team. To be fair, um, even Ryan Graves was out for a bit. Severson, I think he was out earlier in the year. Ty Smith had his penalty, or, uh, his injury troubles. Like they've had a lot of difficulty staying healthy, and then you add in the whole bit with Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, and his, you know lack of getting the the covid shot and all that too um there's just a lot of things happening with this team um so you know i'm looking forward to that game big time the the building's gonna be rocking maddie benears is gonna be in the lineup like it's gonna be an awesome game and i want the win but i don't want to lose positioning in the draft
1: okay so we'll just win in overtime three two ot win i said it first
0: all right. I uh, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think a 5-4 OT win.
1: I should have called Benares. that. That sounds so much better.
0: One goal, two assists.
1: So you think the guy's yeah, just going to pop off of four points in two games?
0: Uh, Yep. You said he scored in
1: his first game and then one plus I do. two.
0: I do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, uh... I think, well, as long as Hackstall plays his cards right and gives this guy ice time, like, he better not be giving him 10 minutes. I Maddie Beneers can step in and play 15, 16 minutes in this lineup, no doubt. Like, no doubt about it. Like, I'm confident with that prediction.
1: I'm confident in saying he's our second best setterman already.
0: Yeah, I agree. 100%. So... Those are the predictions. It's going to be a fun week, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be an exciting week of hockey. Kraken fans, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to episode 29, Kraken fans. We got a bit of hockey news to talk about, Durham. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with uh, just mentioning that uh, Doug Wilson, the GM of the San Jose sharks has announced that he has stepped down as the GM uh, of the sharks after 19 seasons in that role. Uh, so, you know, this is definitely a health related choice. Uh, and I believe he's on met, he's been on medical leave since November of this season. So, uh, you know, just worth mentioning and uh, you know, This is a guy who stepped into this role, and has honestly, he's done a fantastic job, and uh, it just kind of sucks to see him have to go out this way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you wish him all the best, and hopefully he's able to get a bit better and enjoy the remainder of his life, and even though he won't be running a hockey team, hopefully he's still able to get down to the rink and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And I actually didn't know that he had stepped down back in November. Uh, so that means he, I don't believe he was even part of that, uh, that big extension for Thomas hurdle. So just, just interesting, but taking a look at what he did as GM of the San Jose Sharks team, I mean, he entered, uh, that position somewhere in the season of the Oh two Oh three year, uh, they missed playoffs. And then the next 18 years, he made playoffs 14 of those 18 years, so that's no joke. I mean, he made the conference finals on four different occasions, Uh, five, I believe, actually, if I'm looking at it, because he made it the, ne- the next season, then it went semifinals, 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 then a quarterfinals loss with uh, Todd McClellan, then at head coach, uh, and then Two more losses straight in the conference finals and then another quarterfinals, then a semifinals, then another quarterfinals. Then they did miss in 2014, 2015. The following year, another coaching change. They bring in Pete DeBoer. They make it to the cup final. Of course, losing to your Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, predicted that so, series.
1: Not a big deal. Not a big, you not a big deal. You told me I was crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you still are, but, uh, you know, know, they lost in the finals that year, next year, they lost in the first round. I think that was against Edmonton. And then the next year they lost the second round. And then in 2018, 2019, they lost in the conference finals. Of course, they picked up Carlson that year, went on a big run too. And then the last three years, uh, you know, another coaching change and they've just, you know, they've missed all, all these last three years, of course. Um, so, you know just a big shout out to um to uh, Doug Wilson there who's done a fantastic job as GM I mean to to make playoffs 14 out of 18 years like that that's pretty impressive
1: you know he had to be a great guy we share a birthday
0: no kidding eh i didn't even realize yeah. that that's crazy do you message him on your birthday every once in a while every I'm like lucky. once a year kind yeah. of thing <laughs> i mean once I mean, in a while <laughs> fair i mean looking at it too they had uh let's see uh one two three they had four years of at least 50 wins too in that time frame so uh that's no joke at all too some huge seasons in there that 117 point year in there i mean that's pretty wild they lost in the quarterfinals that year too that and was, to add to uh, it,
1: too, they only had four times they picked in the top ten, and never in the top five.
0: Yeah, yeah, just wild, really, really ridiculous. But it's always unfortunate when you when you have to see a guy step down because of health issues. But uh, we just wanted to shout out Doug Wilson there, um, because it's it's deserving, and uh, you know, another shout out to to helping uh, you know turn the Ottawa Senators franchise around too. Um, so credit to that. <laughs> So, so thank you, Doug Wilson. And, uh, you know, hope you're, hopefully your health gets better for you, man. Um, but some more NHL news. And, and this isn't really much NHL news, Durham. This is just a stat I want to throw out to you. But um, this NHL season has averaged the most goals per game than any other season in the last 25 years, which is 6.25 goals per game. Durham, has this season been one of the most exciting seasons in the nhl in a long time
1: i gotta think so just with so many high scoring games and lead changes back and forth and how many freaking times has florida come down from four goal deficits to win the goddamn game
0: eight a crazy amount of times unbelievable amount of times like just a
1: fun one to see here and then another little uh scoring stat to go along with that Over the last 10 years, the average number of point-a-game players in the NHL is 16.6. So, 16.5. How many do you think we have
0: this year? Uh, Not sure. It's got to be higher. 46.
1: Almost three times as many.
0: Holy shit. 46 people over a a point-a-game? Yep. That's wild. We're only 10 games left, too, so that's probably going to stay above 40, no doubt. It's going
1: to be pretty damn close unless somebody just drops off a cliff.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're hoping that doesn't happen. We don't want to see anybody get injured. But no. <laughs> no, that is insane. And, I mean, when you take a look at some of the things happening this year, uh, Austin Matthews, I mean... The amount of goals this guy's scoring, just incredible. I know everyone's been posting his last 50 games. He's got 51 goals. Um, Just incredible run for him. You take a look at, like we talked about last pod, the Jonathan Huberdeau breaking the assist record for a left winger. Uh, It's just insane. It's just insane, a lot of the things that are happening. Roman Yossi. You know, on pace to hit ninety, what seven points this season? Um, I, I, it's just incredible, man. He, we could see a hundred point defenseman in the NHL. I honestly, I didn't think that would happen again, like four or five years ago. I I didn't think that was possible, Um, especially after you know being a huge Eric Carlson fan and seeing just how dominant he was, and the most he ever put up was eighty two in a season, Uh, and to think. Roman Yosi could do it and and hit a hundred this year. It's just incredible, man. There's been uh, just so, so many exciting things happening in the NHL this year, and then you add in the fact that we're you getting to watch the 30 second NHL team, the Seattle Kraken uh, just you know just icing on top of the cake.
1: Here's a couple little uh, extra bits for you for uh, how crazy this season has been. So the Hart Trophy finalists are going to be missing at least one of the clear Art Ross winner, a defenseman on track to hit 100 points, a goalie pushing for a top three all-time save percentage, and a soon-to-beat, most likely, 60-plus goal-scoring centerman. And then the guy who's (laughs) probably not going to win the Norris if Yossi keeps this up is going to be a 30 goal defenseman who plays 26 minutes a night for the best team in the league.
0: I know that that blows your mind. I know it's crazy. Like there could be three heart trophies given out this year easily.
1: And someone would still be pissed.
0: Oh yeah. I know that's the thing. No matter who ends up winning it. I have no idea who I'd put my money on right now. I honestly have no idea. I mean, I guess people are saying the top two people right now, like people still, still have Mick David in the top three. I mean, why not? He's, he's still leading the league in points. He's still Mick David. Uh, he's been on a tear lately, but it, it kind of sounds like Matthews is in that top spot, but it, it could be anyone. It could really be anyone at this point. Any of those guys you're mentioning, like I would have no problem with any of those players getting the heart trophy. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, I think any one of them could win it, and I do think you're right with Matthews and Chesterkin are kind of the top two frontrunners right now with a little bit leaning towards Matthews.
0: Yeah, uh, and the, the thing that pushes him over the edge for me too is we're all seeing his stat line. We're all seeing the goals, um, but you take a look at his underlying numbers and his advanced stats, um, it blows me away how good they are. Absolutely blows me away. This guy's underlying numbers are ridiculous this year. Like his defensive side of the puck and, and all of that stuff, it's it's off the charts. He, he's having just just an exceptionally well season. And this could be the reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs do get out of the first round this year, even though that Atlantic division is completely hell. <laughs> and And, you know, it's crazy to think right now, their best matchup might be the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Yeah, that would definitely suit their style more. Well, I think anyone's best matchup right now is probably Washington.
0: Yeah, yeah. I or just,
1: Pittsburgh, I, to be honest, they're not. Playing I just don't very think well.
0: it's possible. Toronto gets into that first spot, uh, you know, in and uh, their division there. I think Florida's got that nailed down basically. Oh, yeah, so I, I don't guess. think that's a possible matchup. But if you're looking at who they would or could play. I think Tampa would be their best way to get out. And uh, I think that's a fair thing to say. And, you know, you might think, oh, they're back-to-back champs. They're still the Tampa Bay Lightning. Correct. But they're also playing, like, 500 hockey. And Vasilevsky's numbers in the last, like, 10 games of his, pretty bad. So they're not trending in the right direction that they want to be heading in. I think Boston is still, you know, a very hard matchup for them. And, again, Boston has been playing really good. But so have the Leafs. So, um Yeah, it'll be interesting, but yeah, it has been. One of the most exciting seasons we've seen in a long time, no doubt about it.
1: You know what Boston-Toronto reminds me of?
0: Uh, What's that?
1: 2011 Vancouver-Chicago. When Chicago dominated Vancouver for like three or four series in a row, and then Vancouver wins one in Game 7, and they just fucking run with it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Like the I Super don't know man, why Leafs fans Hawk don't want
0: Blackhawk down goal? Exactly. <laughs> By Alex? The yeah, the wraparound. No, what 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 <laughs> what did the commentator say after that goal was scored too? Oh, he said something like very memorial or memorable, oh, not memorial. Frig. Oh, something about like you know, finally putting the dagger in and getting Vancouver past. Chicago, who obviously were on the, you know, turning into a dynasty. Defending Stanley at that Cup time. champions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I could very well see that too. And then you get a victory like that. Like if they do play Boston, they get a huge game seven victory like that. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be game seven, but just, just the morale them. boost for that team could literally help bring them to the cup final like they will be in the highest of highs and playing as confident as ever. And that could seriously take a team all the way, you know, through another round or two. So it took Washington to their
1: cup in 2018 when they finally beat Pittsburgh.
0: I agree. Their players on the
1: capitals even said it. They're like, after we got past Pittsburgh, we thought, holy shit, we could actually do this.
0: Yeah. Like nothing was stopping them. And you've seen that with the way Ovi played and Toronto has a player very similar to that who can score goals uh, and from anywhere on the ice, just like Ovi. And you know, that's Austin Matthews. And then they have a ton of other talent to back him up. And not only that former Seattle Kraken, Mark Giordano, who's going to be just the type of style of defenseman you want in the playoffs for that team. So you know, I, I hate to sit here and pump Toronto's tires like this as a Sens fan as well. So, uh, but yeah, you know, you got to give respect where, where it deserves to go. And, and right now they deserve to be getting that type of respect.
1: Everybody thought Johnny T would be the hometown boy to bring the cup home. And it's going to be Mark Jeer, Dan, baby. <laughs>
0: yep, yeah. very much could happen, but they, they have to get through two very, very tough teams in the East and, I, you know, more than two, but uh, I'd say the top two being the Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers. So if they could do it, they have a good shot. But those teams are going to be tough, tough to go up against. But moving on here, Durham, uh, one more little tidbit we wanted to add in here. Minnesota State goalie, of course, the team that beat Michigan out, uh, their goalie Dryden McKay ends up winning the Hobie Baker Award this year as, uh, you know, the men's top college player. And then the goalie of the year in the exact same league goes to Devin Levi. So a bit of a weird one there, right?
1: Yeah, that's just a LOL moment for the NCAA. Like, that makes no sense to me. They present the Mike Richter Award for goalie of the year to Devin Levi, and then, like, a minute and a half later, they're like, all right, Dryden McKay, you're the best player in the NCAA. He goes, well, then why the fuck didn't I win goalie of the year?
0: Yeah, you'd kind of think that's like you'd win it by default if you were the best player in the whole league. I think you deserve to get the best goalie award. Right, that one was a bit of a confusing thing that we we kind of seen break down. So, um, nonetheless, though, Dryden McKay has some insane stats uh, in the four years he spent at Minnesota State. You want to, you want to hear these? I would love to. Okay, year one, 2018, 2019. He plays 34 games, so steps in as their starting goalie right away. Um, has a goals against average of 1.76, uh, save percentage of 927, and has a record of 27 wins or 24 wins, seven losses, and two ties. So fantastic year. The very next year he plays 37 games, so three more. Um Again, another insane record. 30 wins in those 37 games. Four losses in overtime and two ties. Has a 1.31 goals against average with a 9.42 save percentage. That was statistically his best season. Uh, the very next season, though, 26 games played. I don't know if he had uh, <clears throat> maybe some injury troubles here. but or Or no, that would have been some cancellations because of COVID, actually. Um, but again, a 1.54 goals against average, a 9.24 save percentage, and then wins 21 games with just four losses. And then this year, again, some six, six stats plays 43 games has a 1.31 goals against average. So the same as 2019, 20, and then a 9.31 save percentage with 38 wins and five losses. How ridiculous are those stats for four straight years uh, playing for Minnesota state and a very tough NCHC college division, man, there's no wonder why this guy ended up winning this Hobie Baker award over other favorites, uh, even teammate uh, Bobby Brink. So uh, just incredible numbers from Dryden McKay here. And, uh, I don't think this guy is a, a part of any NHL team right now. So uh, that's going to quickly be changing here uh, in the future, I believe. Hey?
1: Yeah, someone will definitely be signing him after that career. Like, are you kidding me? Did the other guy even play? Did his backup
0: even play in his final year? I feel bad for the backup. I mean, 43 games. How many games do they play? I was going to ask you. I was gonna, well, I'm asking you. So. I don't know. <laughs> like, you can't be much more than that.
1: No, because they play mostly weekends or only weekends usually.
0: Yeah, exactly. So 43 games played in the starting, (laughs) starting as the goalie there. Ridiculous. And just ridiculous that he won 38 of those. So obviously Denver was a wagon and, you know, they, or sorry, Denver, Minnesota state was a wagon. It's actually Denver who Bobby Brink plays for, by the way, I just screwed that up. Um, but now that i'm thinking back it makes more sense um so so yeah that's just insane but moving right along from that dude um we have the player of the week to announce and a couple couple different options here you could you could either go with it so i'm actually gonna toss it over to you for this one
1: you're gonna make me pick or do i just present them and you're gonna pick
0: No, you're going to pick who your player of the week is. That is what's going to happen.
1: Well, I'll run through our two options here. So uh, everybody, we're deciding between Jordan Eberle and Philip Grubauer. Eberle with three games played, two goals, one assist, plus one and nine shots on net. Being a plus in multiple games, that never happens for a Kraken. And then you got Grubauer, two games played, 946 Mm -hmm. save percentage, 155 goals against,
0: one shutout. Damn, those are some sick numbers for both of those guys. They are sick numbers for both of those guys. And uh, honestly, it's up to you to pick which player slash goalie you're giving player of the week to. Who do you think deserves it more, man?
1: Ooh, I mean, it is tough to turn away a guy who gets his second shutout of the year and on a back-to-back game, right? Yeah. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to turn him away. I'm going to go with Jordan Eberly.
0: Wow. Shocking. I thought the German gentleman was for sure going to get that honor, but Hey, Jordan Eberle is a good pick right there. I mean, three games, three points. It's good to see him scoring again. He's had some couple, couple real rough stints lately uh, where he's been very quiet, especially on the goal front. So, so he ends up getting goals in back-to-back games there and uh, is a plus one in those games and, uh, you know, nine shots on goal. That's pretty good. Averaging three per game, which is above average. So Jordan Eberle is our player of the week and Durham, we have a stat of the week as well. And like we mentioned before, this one comes from our very own doctor on the team. That's Dr. Seuss, Carson Seussi. So get this, Durham. In the last three games, Carson Susie has taken five minor penalties and one double minor, okay? So, you know, or sorry, four minor penalties and one double for a total of five penalties, uh, which gives him a total of 12 penalty minutes in those last three games. Uh, no other player on the team had more than four in that stretch, four penalty minutes, that is. Um, so, pretty uh, unlike Dr. Seuss. In fact, if you look at Dr. Seuss's games lately, you would have to combine all of his PIMS in his last 26 games prior to these last three in order to reach that 12 penalty minutes again. Something set him off. Man's not happy. No, I know. And that's why he gets stat of the week because uh, he's been getting penalties as of lately. And, uh, you know, I was a a bit shocked to go back and see those stats of his last 26 games uh, that you'd have to add all those penalty minutes up in order to get those, uh, you know, those same results. So um, also, Dr. Seuss, he is a plus player on this hockey team. Well, shit. Yeah,
1: Dr. Seuss probably oh, because yeah. he spends every time we get scored on in the penalty box. <laughs> well,
0: maybe lately, Just but I mean, I mean, 54 games played for him this year, 19 points, nine of those being goals. He's a plus 10. He's a plus 10 on this team, which is extremely impressive, especially when you look at the Kraken's record and and it shows you they're a minus 64 in goal differential. This guy is a plus 10 on this hockey team. It just speaks to the volumes of how good his defensive game is and uh, how much better the Kraken are with him on the ice, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he's become a big part of the decor
0: huge part. They cannot let this guy go if they're wanting to have some kind of playoff success in the next two to three seasons, four seasons, this guy should be a big part of this team moving forward. And I don't see why they wouldn't be able to get him signed to a pretty decent, you know, mid range, long-term deal somewhere, maybe in that five year uh, deal would, would probably make sense for a guy like uh, Carson Susie. So, but that's still uh, more than a year down the road. So, Uh, we'll see kind of when that happens, but yeah, that pretty much wraps things up. You got anything else you want to add? No, that's all I got. Sweet. Then I think it's uh it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Uh pretty excited for next week, though. Maddie Beneers finally in a Kraken jersey. He will be wearing that number 10. Uh, and he's gonna look absolutely dynamite. So thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 29. Join us next week as we break down all three of those Kraken games. And of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things kraken. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.